Welcome to the Peace Bridge Talk Show. Your host is Amrita Kailas, and she is going to introduce you to powerful tools from ancient wisdom and also connect with experts to show you how to implement them to lead a peaceful life. Now, here is Amrita. Namaste, everyone. I hope you all are doing well and staying safe in whichever part of the world you are. Welcome to the Peace Bridge podcast on Voice America. Happy New Year to each one of you who has tuned in today. I wish you all a peaceful and healthy 2023. I'm so delighted to connect with you all again today since our last episode. Holidays and festivities are special because we get to spend time with our loved ones and also eat delicious food that includes baked foods, cakes, desserts, chocolates, and everything that is yummy to our mouths. As we all know, food is the basis of our survival and supplies energy to our bodies. As discussed in episode 1 on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it is the preliminary human need that, when satisfied, helps us to satisfy other human needs that leads to self-actualization. Please listen to the episode on the path to peace to know more on other human needs. The food we eat goes through a process called metabolism that generates energy to our cells and organs in order for it to function and maintain our health. Metabolism is defined as the chemical process that occurs within living beings in order to maintain life. The primary inputs to create energy in our body comes from oxygen, water, food, vitamins and minerals. The nutrients supplied to our body is converted to an energy molecule called ATP that makes our cells work. According to the brain energy theory, all energy imbalances are caused due to metabolic imbalances. These metabolic imbalances also cause mental health imbalances. The powerhouse of our body called the brain is the supercomputer that regulates energy metabolism. Brain is considered to consume 20% of the energy that's supplied through the nutrients from our food. The brain energy theory also states that our metabolism is dependent on various risk factors that include biological, psychological and social factors which are based on our diet, exercise, genetics, stress, sleep, hormonal changes, love, social environment, relationships, and purpose in life. When any of these are missing, it leads not only to metabolic disorder, but also to mental and physical health issues. Based on neurosciences, abnormalities in the brain energy metabolism is linked to various diseases that include diabetes, migraines, heart attacks, strokes, alchemias, mental health disorders, gastrointestinal problems, 
immune problems and even cancer. It's been found that people who have undergone acute abuse or trauma are more likely to have mental health disorders from metabolic disorders. The purity of our mind is influenced by the food that we consume every day. Mother Earth has gifted us with a variety of sources of energy that can be derived naturally from fruits and vegetables which are filled with nutrients required to purify our minds. However, with the advancement in technology and changes to our lifestyle, we have begun to consume fast foods, processed foods just to relish our tongues and not our body or mind. Or we tend to pick up whatever looks good, convenient to consume and whichever tastes good on our tongues. However, we find it very difficult to stick to healthy choices directly derived from nature, untouched by preservatives. The nutrition in our diet can impact our mental health through our gut or gastrointestinal system. Our gut has a strong interconnection with our brain through the vagus nerve. It sends chemicals to the brain and regulates mood, emotion, sleep, pain and more. Our brains require 11 important nutrients for it to function effectively. These nutrients cannot be produced by the body and requires us to supply them through the form of food from natural sources. When we do not supply them, it will not be able to carry out some of the cognitive abilities that are required to maintain our mental and physical health. As it's important to use high-quality fuel on a highly powered vehicle, it's important to provide our brains with high-quality food too. We all tend to choose the food based on the quality of our minds. As learned in the first episode, we all have three basic qualities called tamas, rajas, and sattva. Based on the predominance of the quality in us, we choose our food, whether it's sattvic, rajasic, or tamasic food. Please listen to the episode on Path to Peace to know more about these three gunas or qualities. According to Bhagavad Gita, sattvic food are those that increases life, purity, strength, health, joy, and cheerfulness. Rajasic food are those that are bitter, sour, saline, excessively hot, dry, and burning and result in pain, grief, and diseases. Tamasic food are those that are stale, impure, or rotten. So, when we consume food that belongs to tamasic or rajasic nature, we are not only weakening our bodies but also our minds leading to various acute diseases. It does not mean that those who eat sattvic food will never get sick, but it means that they would be able to lead a much more healthy and balanced life. A blog article published by Hardwood Research states that red meat and processed meat are metabolized into toxins that cause damage to our blood cells and other organs leading to heart diseases, diabetes, stroke and more. 
following a plant-based diet can reduce the risk of various mental and physical health diseases through the intake of fresh fruits and vegetables containing special plant nutrients that neutralizes toxins. No pill can substitute the place of fruits and vegetables. Today, I have with me Dr. Leslie, who is a chiropractor and a health coach, to discuss on the rising to mental clarity with healthy food. Welcome to the Peace Bridge podcast, Dr. Leslie. So happy to have you here. Thank you. It's great to be here, Amrita. So, Dr. Leslie, we would love to hear your story. Can you please share a little bit about yourself and your story with us? Okay. Well, where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm currently a health coach and consultant. And I've moved into this after being a chiropractor, having a private chiropractic practice for about 25 years. And, excuse me. And for 10 years, about 10 years before that, I was a medical lab scientist. And it was actually during my when I was finishing up in school, when I was going into medical laboratory sciences, that I had this epiphany that happened that I realized I didn't want to be in tradition in the traditional medical Western model of things. And basically what happened was I had to assist at the bedside in a bone marrow biopsy as one of the very last things I had to do in my internship. And when I walked into the room that day, in this was in a hospital setting, um, there was a little old lady laying in the bed who looked to my 22-year-old eyes to be about 110. <laughs> and I don't know how old she really was, but that was just, you know, that was just how I felt at the time. Anyway, um, and they were doing a bone marrow biopsy on her to confirm an incidental finding um, of a high white blood cell count, and they were trying to confirm a finding of uh, a diagnosis of leukemia. And a bone marrow biopsy is a very is a very painful procedure. They they basically shove a needle into the bone in order to get the bone marrow on the you know on in order to get to the bone marrow. And they don't use any kind of, they can't use any kind of an anesthetic because once you penetrate bone, there's no going back. So it was a very uncomfortable procedure. Blood curdling screams like that just basically sucked the energy out of the room. Um, and, and it was just a horrible experience. And I got out of that, you know, finally I, it took them forever to get the sample because that poor old lady had, was all dried up and had no bone marrow left I don't think but they finally got the sample they handed it to me um, I made the the microscope slides and I got out of the room as quickly as I could brought the sample back to the lab and was ready to forget about it and but what happened was I handed the sample to the senior tech and told her about what had just happened and she looked at me with these sad eyes and she said but Leslie 
they don't even treat leukemia in patients that old. Oh. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? That is really and, yeah. And, you know, it's just like the light bulb went on. It was just like, I can't be doing this. Not only was I part of this, but the, th the other thing that I realized in that moment was that any position that I was going to be in after I graduated or that I ever hoped to grow into in the trajectory that I was on, I would never have any opportunity to alter that paradigm. Mm. And I was like, uh-uh, I can't do this. So, you know, that was after almost five years of school. It was two months short of graduation. I did go on and complete the program. I did work as a medical lab scientist for a few years because it was, you know, it was a decent salary. I felt for the most part like I wasn't hurting people. This was an unfortunate incident. Um, and so I did go on to, to do that for a few years, but always in the back of my mind, I was, I was checking things out. I was researching what is it that I can do that is more holistic, that will help people to not have to get into that hospital bed in the first place. And that's basically what I've dedicated the rest of my life to. So I did go back to school, became a chiropractor, as I mentioned, and you know, had, had, had a private practice for about 25 years, and then moved into, as I was going through my own changes, as I started going through perimenopause and seeing some of the changes that I was going through, some things that happened to me there, um, I eventually moved, just made the decision that I wanted to move into more of a health coaching career as kind of my semi-retirement thing, because one of the things I realized in private practice was that I could work with people on a certain level and we would agree that they needed to make changes X, Y, and Z, but I could never really... I never had a methodology to hold them accountable for those changes. So when I decided that I was in a place where I wanted to go into more of a semi-retirement type of a profession, that's what I chose to do was I went into health coaching and consulting. I took some additional training so that I would have those tools to be able to help people make that switch and dig deep and figure out why they do the things they do, why they don't do the things that they say they want to do, and how to inspire them to move forward. That is very, very inspiring to hear, Leslie, uh, because taking that brave decision at such a young age to choose your path, right? You, <laughs> you understood that is not the direction that you want to go. And yeah. you took this brave decision to move towards becoming a health coach and enabling people to lead a healthy life, right? This is so beautiful to hear your inspiring story here. So, Dr. Leslie, I would love to know, in your health coaching, what are the areas that you specialize on? 
Well, I actually work a lot with women's health and not exclusively women. I work a lot, work mainly with people over 40 who are finding that they have some kind of condition going on that the normal the normal American, North American, Western approach would be to just take medication and as you're probably aware, you know, taking one medication leads to side effects and they put you on another medica medication and a third medication and, you know, and you go down that tunnel and none of that actually addresses the underlying cause of the problem. So I mainly approach it with a diet and lifestyle approach that works towards getting them back in some semblance of physical shape, helping them with more of a whole food, plant-centered diet so that they can begin to realign their system and get all of those healthy hormones, healthy biochemicals on board. Um, I work a lot with the gut microbiome and the environment and their diet and, like I said, physical health, things of that nature to help really get more to the core of what the problem is. Because the fact of the matter is that basically about 90% of chronic illness is diet and lifestyle related. So all the pills do is cover it up. Yeah, very much. Thank you for sharing about uh, the area of gut health, which plays a huge role in your overall health, yeah. right? So um, you mentioned about the chronic illness, how your diet and nutrition is so important and critical to be um, very conscious about while you're leading your everyday life, right? Yeah. So, with regards to that, I would like to know from you, how does the gut health influence your moods or your emotions? Okay, so, so here's the thing that's amazing. You know, when, you know, actually up until fairly recently, we always thought that mo that the biochemicals that make up our moods and govern how we feel, we always thought they were made by the brain. It actually turns out what we now know is that they're mostly made by the bacteria in our gut. But if we don't have the right mix of bacteria because we eat too much animal food, we eat too much processed food, you know, all those kinds, you know, those kinds of things flip the balance of our gut and cause the wrong bio, cause the wrong bacteria to grow, which causes the wrong biochemicals to be made. And, you know, those things make more pro-inflammatory chemicals and then we end up with more problems. If we're eating more as nature intended for us to eat, which is more about beans and greens and fruit and things of that nature, if we're eating more of those foods, 
the bacteria that, that grow better in that environment actually make more of those happy hormones and keep us in, on a much more even keel. That's amazing they to give know. Us, they give us that extra energy. They give us the ability to follow our thoughts through. And they do all of those things that we would consider producing ideal health. Wow, that is definitely very, very insightful um, information that you shared in terms of how plant-based food can help you energize yourself as well as I hear that you're also saying it gives you the clarity, right? It gives you clarity and improves your thoughts and indirectly influences your emotions so that you can lead a balanced and happy life, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Can you give us some examples of those foods that can create harmful bacteria, which actually develops into mood imbalance? Well, a lot of it is the processed foods and the heavy reliance on animal products. Now, I'm not saying people need to be vegan, but what I am saying is that if you're eating, if you're eating animal foods day in, day out, many of us, when you really look at the American diet and the Western diet as a whole, many people are eating some sort of animal products as much as 20 meals a week. I know when you, when you consider cheese and yogurt and in addition to you know a slab of meat on the plate for dinner and processed typically processed foods processed sliced meats for lunches often bacon or sausage and or eggs or things like that in the morning you know that's how a lot of the typical Westerner eats and they're eating, like I said, they're eating that stuff 20 meals a week. And, you know, if you really look at it, our bodies were designed as the hunter gatherer cave dweller, but the hunter gatherer cave dweller was really mostly a gatherer. You know, it wasn't until the past 5,000 years, maybe that we had the weaponry to be doing anything more but scavenging in terms of eating animal products. That's not a long time in terms of the genetics of how the human body is made up. So it's more uh, made to actually consume nature-based food, right? That is how it's being constructed. And when you supply this body with those kind of food, it processes it well and right. also helps you to develop internally and also provide the same kind of energy mm-hmm. to your brain and other organs, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, we have this very nice sort of dance between the the, the organisms in our gut microbiome when it's functioning healthfully and what we need. You know, it's like a very intricate, very, very smooth working dance. Mm. But when we start feeding our gut 
too much animal foods, too much processed foods, breaking down all those, you know, breaking down foods into flour that basically is almost like pre-digesting it, you know, all of those things don't give the, the good bacteria a chance to grow and thrive. Yep, yep. So with regards to uh, all the um, plant-based food that someone could consume, right? Um, what are your thoughts on the grains? What or how do the grains get processed in your body and impact your gut health and your brain development? I'm glad you asked about grains because there is so much misconception out there. Um, there's a big difference between a processed ground flour that has had, you know, first, you know, first of all, if you look at what, what, what is typically done with flour, first of all, they process it, they de-germ it. So they take out all the, they take out the, they take out the germ, which is basically has all the nutrients in it. Then they take the rest of it and they grind that. And then because they've taken out all the nutrients, they put back some of the nutrients and they call it enriched flour. But enriched flour is actually, you know, not very enriched at all. And it's actually not anything like the, the real thing. You are listening to Amrita Kailas on the Peace Bridge talk show on Voice America. We are going for a short break. Stay tuned and we'll be back in two minutes. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You are listening to the Peace Bridge Talk Show with Amrita Kailas. Have a question for Amrita or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show with Amrita. Welcome back, everyone, to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on Voice America. Let's resume our show. And so when you look at more of your whole grains. Now, granted, there are some people that have some issues with certain specific grains, but when you look more at whole grains, like your your barley and your millet and um, technically quinoa is not a grain, technically it's a seed, um, but you know, things of that nature, rye, you know, many of those things don't have gluten in them, which gluten can be a problem for some people. And, you know, so there really isn't 
as much of a problem when you look at those things as whole grains and you eat whole grains and you know and they're you know eat them in more of their natural form and the other thing is is that i also encourage people that any grain that they're eating should be organic because many of the grains that are on the commercial market now are actually they actually use roundup to desiccate them so they're using so they're spraying poison on them four five eight days before they're picked because it dries them out and they get less spoilage that way but then that stuff stays in there as residual chemical and then you consume that and that not only is poisonous to your cyst to your system is poisonous to your gut microbiome and so you create this vicious circle so you know one of the things that i encourage people is if you think you have a problem with grains before you eliminate them from your diet eat whole organic grain for a little bit and see if that doesn't help rectify the situation because oftentimes what we find you know it's amazing because you look at people that go on a keto diet which is mostly animal based you look at people that go that do intermittent fasting which is you know 18 hours of fasting and you know six hours of eating food and you look at people that make all of these changes almost all of them uniformly have a positive reaction well one of the one of the things is is what they're what all of those diets have in common is that they're eliminating the processed food so when you can eliminate the processed food and then you go to more of a whole food more plant-based eating like i said i'm not saying you, you have to be vegan but more whole food and plant-centered you know that's where you're really where the the most the healthiest results are going to come in because that's the diet that our bodies were designed towards and that's the diet that the okinawans for example some of whom live to be 105 to 110 that's the kind of diet that they eat you know it's full of your your beans and your squashes and you know and things of that nature your greens absolutely and i i can definitely uh, relate to that because i've seen my grandfather actually intake more of those plant based um, meal uh, and uh, he was very very uh, strict on his diet and i've seen him live for 95 years which exactly. is an excellent example in my life yeah. and the amount of time that he used to take uh, to um, uh, get into a ritual of going for walks or connecting with nature, I completely see how that helped his mindset and uh, the brain development as well, right? I have seen right. recollect things which are very hard for even youngsters now to recollect, right? So right. Uh, thank you, Leslie, for saying that it is so important to be aligned to the food that is more in connection to the nature which helps you to also bring in the same amount of richness into your life, right? 
Exactly. And I like the fact that you mentioned about him being out in nature. And that's one of the other things that we don't do in our society anymore. It's like, get out and be part of nature and breathe in all that nature has to give to you. And just doing that for 5, 10, 20 minutes a day is going to make a big difference in your mental, emotional well-being. So true, so true. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's like I'm, I'm looking at it right now and it's been pouring rain here for the past two days. I really haven't been out of the house in two days. And it's like, I'm feeling a little bit down. I got to get out and, you know, and get some fresh air. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Connection with the nature is so tied even through your food that is what you're emphasizing on the food plays a critical role because whatever you're feeding is going to provide you the same level of energy that you want to see in your life and if you want to live Mm -hmm. a full-fledged life then you have to be conscious about the food that you intake right yeah and you know just to take it also a step further about the food that we take in is also the idea that when you look at it the amount of animal products that we eat as a as a collective as the world is unsustainable in its current form you know we're burning down ancient forests to grow cattle to feed to people and it takes like 15 times the amount of water to do that and produce less energy and you know not to mention the fact that we're we're burning you know we're burning the trees which makes for more problem and then we don't have those trees to absorb the co2 and that whole thing you know it's it's unsustainable yeah yeah in its current form yeah absolutely yeah very much Uh, so dr leslie i would like to know from you if someone who is actually going through a process of getting into plant-based diet but hasn't been able to reach there yet how would you advise them or what would be the first steps that they can take so that they can slowly move towards a complete plant-based diet okay i'm glad you asked about that because people think that it's such a daunting task what i tell people is take the amount of meat that you would normally put on your plate cut it into three portions, okay? Put the other two portions back in the fridge or in the freezer, okay? And you have a third of the portion that you were gonna have, okay? It still gives you enough that you feel like you've had something, okay? In our typical society, it's gonna give you a couple of ounces, okay? And then you, and then you, add an extra veggie, you add either more whole grain or a whole grain or a second whole grain. Look at filling up that plate three quarters full with other stuff. And then here's the other thing, well, a couple of other things. First of all, don't make the mistake of loading up the, um, 
that starchy food with lots of butter and lots of fat because then you're just basically doing the same thing. But the other thing that's amazing is that studies show that people who eat more of an Eastern style diet and eat mostly veggies and grains and things of that nature, squashes, beans, and all that stuff, they can eat about 300 calories. They, they burn about 300 calories more a day than we do. So they can eat more and they weigh less. And you think about, you know, when we picture Asians, we picture thin people. Yep. They're eating more than we are. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and there are the climatic conditions also, right? Uh, you cannot follow the same diet that you followed in a uh, tropical place when you move to a um, colder place. I, I'm taking my example because mm -hmm. uh, out uh, while I was in India, we had a lot of intake of rice. And mm -hmm. after moving down to Canada, we have actually cut down that because the time that your body needs for metabolism is different, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the amount of uh, physical exercise that you do is also different, right? Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that, Dr. Leslie? So are you saying that you're eating less rice? Less rice, yes. Okay, so what are you eating more of? We are definitely substituting the veggies and the fruits. Okay. And what okay. we're seeing is, it's not the filling of your stomach here, right? Uh, so what we have got into as a practice, as a whole family, is to eat early and eat w only till a point that your hunger is like um, uh, subsided, yeah. not yeah. just to fill in your stomach with everything there, right? So what we see is like when we fill our stomach, I would call it like half full, we feel that it it is easier for digestion. And when you eat early, then you're giving your uh, gut enough time and uh, energy for it to do its work and in yeah. turn give you also the feeling that you are, you're not too dependent on uh, stuffing yourself with different kinds of food, right? You're eating right. the one that is required for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting too, that, that you, that you brought that up because, um, one of the things that I that I teach my patients or my clients, um, sometimes I still revert to calling them patients by mistake, which you know they're they're clients now. <laughs> um, one of the things I teach my clients is that the Okinawans have this practice that they call Hari Hachi Boo. Okay, which is the idea, and they actually teach them, it's actually philosophy that they teach their children. Yeah. It's actually the idea that you should stop eating when you're 80% full. Exactly. Yep. And now the thing that's interesting, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a difficult switch in our society because we're, eat, we're used to eating until we're just like, lots of times we're too full, but to anybody out there in that audience that has ever eaten, felt like they've eaten too much, and you know how awful you feel when you've eaten yeah. too much, what if you got yourself into the habit of never having to feel that way again, mm -hmm. of just being that much more cognizant, slowing down your eating enough 
that you're being that much more cognizant and you stop before you're full. Yep. Because if you stop before you're full, once everything has a chance to settle, you're going to realize you're more full than you thought you were. So true. So true. One yeah. other thing that uh, we uh, as a family try to do, which is really hard, especially um, the place that you choose to eat, because the place that you choose to eat, if it is in connection with your family or with your loved ones, you feel the energy where um, you are more in connection to the food. That, that is just based out of my experience because um, as a child, when we were brought up, we were asked to sit together and eat. And this was something that my grandfather introduced where he had these times like when you're supposed to have your meal and he was very, very <laughs> up on uh, those times. He was not ready to compromise those times and now I understand that there was a strong reason um, where the biological clock, which we may call it in different names, has its time set where it processes food faster, right? So there are times when we skip our breakfast or uh, postpone our lunches or we uh, believe that uh, we have we can get more work done if we are skipping a breakfast or uh, pushing off the times, right? But mm -hmm. there is a strong connection with the time and place. And as you said earlier, like how much attention do you give into your food while you're eating it? All of this has a close connection, yeah. right? So yeah. Dr. Leslie, I would love to know your um, thoughts on that as well. Well, you know, when you when you mentioned that, that, that whole connection thing, the thing that I also think of is the average Westerner that will often sit in front of the television while munching a pizza, for instance, or, you know, something equivalent to that. And when you look at it, they're not taking the time to appreciate their food. So not only are they eating this concentrated, highly caloric, highly fat laden food with very little fiber, very little nutrition, very little real sustenance, but they're sitting in front of the TV or they're eating it in some other way on the run. They're not really present to the fact that they're eating. And so then they get done, you know, so they're done with their pizza, they're done with their watching their TV. What do they do? They're back out at the fridge finding something else because they haven't satiated both that, you know, th there's that part of your system that needs to have the stomach expansion and the nutrient content, but there's also the part of the mental emotional part of eating of consuming food that you need to feel connected to that food in order to be satiated and satisfied yep yep very much and all of that stuff leads to way too much overeating and way too much of everything else that we go through as a society yeah very much and what comes yeah. to my mind as you're talking about it is uh, how we get into overeating when we are uh, feeling upset or disappointed. Uh, that, because as you said, there is a strong connection of your emotions and food. 
right? Uh, there are people who either skip their food if they're upset or if they're um, going through a failure or they're going through yeah. some event in their life, which um, makes them completely either take the extremes, right? Take one of the extremes, either skip or overeat. How yeah. how can a balance be brought if you are a person who has these strong emotions that are controlling even your diet? Well, I mean, I am not a therapist. Yep. So I'm not making any kind of yep. you know, these are these are not this is not therapeutic yep. advice. Yeah. But I would say first things first, make a commitment. You know, first of all, acknowledge if you have a problem. And then make a commitment to being singular focused when you're eating. So when you're eating, you're eating. You're not watching TV. You're not driving. You're not, you know, running around trying to do other stuff. When you're eating, it's focused eating time and you're conscious of what you're doing. Yep. I mean, that's kind of the bare minimum. Yeah. And then after that, I would say, you know, if you need help to work through that, that's really important because yeah. eating, you know, food addictions or food issues are really something that if you have a problem, it's something that you really, that really needs to be dealt with on some level because it's not like, other things in life where, you know, if you have a problem with alcohol, you can give up alcohol. If you have a problem with many other things in life, you can give it up and take that approach. You can't give up food, you know, yes. so you, have, you have to come to some kind of understanding. And I like to tell people to think in terms or suggest that they think in terms of um of feeding their body fuel thinking of food as fuel and would you put a crappy grade of motor oil or gas or whatever in your car if it was like a ferrari no yeah. Think of your body in the same way. You want to feed your body the nutrition that is ideal for it. So beautifully explained. Yeah. Leslie, thank you so much for sharing that it is important to treat your body as yeah. you treat a Ferrari, right? Yeah. Or more and, than that. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look at it, your body is the temple for your soul. Like, yeah. hello? <laughs> Exactly. If you don't have a body, you cannot function. Yeah. Whatever energy that you're looking for in your life. So the supply yeah. comes in through your food, through your thoughts, through your emotions. If you're dealing with a problem with your emotions, deal it separately by consulting a coach or a therapist or a physician, mm -hmm. whomever you need to consult, but don't take it on your food. <laughs> Eat your right. food. Consciously yeah. is what you're yeah. emphasizing, Dr. Leslie. Thank you so much for sharing that insight as well. Are there ancient wisdom-based practices that you follow in your life 
in order to bring this mindfulness or this conscious eating in your life? Um, I would say for me, that's an always evolving thing. And so I do try and practice mindfulness and a little bit of meditation. And I do find that getting out in nature really helps me connect to my own emotional, spiritual well-being and helps me with a lot of that, those kinds of things. Um, and then I also, one another thing that I also do as much as I can, now I don't do it every week, I will readily admit that, um, I try to, you know, on a fairly regular basis, I practice a Sabbath, which is, you know, which basically is about taking that time, you know, in nature, with family, with the things that are important to me, um, sometimes connecting to serving others, you know, things of that nature, turning off the computer, turning off all the tech, and just being, you know, like a real human, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. That's really nice yeah. to know about your Sabbath uh, practice that helps you to connect with nature, with the family, and be more human, right? Which is another important part, uh, along with conscious eating. So Dr. Leslie, from your experience and expertise, what would be three tips that you would provide the listeners with that they can use in order to develop a healthy lifestyle? Okay, three tips. So the first one I think we've already covered to some extent is about decreasing the amount of animal food on your plate. Um, this, another tip would be about getting out and getting consistent movement. Um, both stretching and strengthening and, you know, some, some sustained um, aerobic or endurance movement. And the third thing would just be about including more whole foods, more beans and grains and greens and fruit and things of that nature, nuts, legumes. Those are awesome tips that is like uh, having more of plant-based food, having some mm -hmm. movement in your life and also including yeah. more of whole grains, right? Yeah. Uh, that's amazing to know. Before we disconnect, I would also like to know from you, is there a simple recipe or a simple um, mood energizer, which you would say in terms of uh, shifting anybody who's going through depression or anxiety or stress, what are the kinds of foods that they should be intaking? Well, there's there's there are a few of them um one of the things that i'm gonna highlight is actually I'm gonna highlight two things greens and fresh fruit 
And we don't think, you know, when we think of foods, when we're feeling bad, we think of all the, probably the bad stuff, if you will, that we shouldn't eat. Um, eating greens actually helps fuel a positive mood and so does eating fruit. So those are a couple of things that I would encourage people on. That is really amazing to know that just in taking greens and yeah. fruits would shift your mood and create a lot of positive energy. Yeah. Right? And, and, and I think it does it for more than one reason. You know, it does it chemically, but it also does it psychologically because you know that that's good food for your body. Yep. yep. So it has that dual effect. Yeah. So it does help you when you're dealing with anxiety or depression, or if you're having mood imbalances, just in taking these in uh, amount that is required for you to right. run through the day, right? That yeah. would be good enough, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then there are certain foods that, you know, that help in terms of helping you with brain power and things of that nature. Right. Right. Sometimes they're a little bit more individualistic. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your suggestions for people who want to actually increase their brain power and uh, utilize the uh, potential of your brain? Yeah. Um, actually, one of the things that works really well, especially for mid um midlife women and women beyond midlife is soy mm, mm. yeah and i know there's a lot of controversy with soy yeah and a lot of it is totally unfounded the thing that i will say about soy is that you want you want it to be organic soy so that you know that it's not genetically modified soy that has all kinds of pesticide residuals in it that's going to take things in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So soy has uh, the ingredients uh, to increase your brain power is what you're saying? It does, yeah. Mm -hmm. That is really has a really good positive balance. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Dr. Leslie, for sharing uh, those beautiful tips and what people could immediately go in and buy or even use from their homes like the plant-based foods the greens the fruits and even soy to include all of these into their diet to live a much more refreshed and energetic life well thank you it was great to be here thank you so much leslie i enjoyed the conversation and i look forward to having you again in one more episode here thank you I hope you all found this episode valuable and enjoyable. Please share your feedback or questions by emailing me at samsarga.ca at gmail.com. To receive free resources, you can subscribe to my email newsletter at bit.ly slash samsarga. I would also invite you to join my Facebook community, Samsarga-Emotional-Support if you'd like to participate in upcoming events towards becoming an unshakable woman. For any other information, please visit my website at www.samsarga.ca. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to me today. I deeply value your time and support. 
I look forward to sharing yet another powerful episode with all of you to help you discover peace in your life. Join me next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific time for yet another insightful episode. Until then, take care, stay safe and remain peaceful. Sending you all lots of love and light. Amrita. Thanks for tuning in to the Peace Bridge Talk Show. Tune in again next week to continue your journey to leading a peaceful life. Until then, have a peaceful week.